The worst tornado in Kentucky's history hit the state, leaving 77 people dead, destroying more than 1,000 homes. Now, climate change shows its devastating face with rare storms, winds, and tornadoes in many states of America. U.S. President Joe Biden's infrastructure bill faces challenges of scarce trained workers. So can the main culprit of climate change also pose as a leader of fighting this phenomenon? Will Americans change their lifestyles drastically and abandon consumerism to stop Earth's annihilation? When will the U.S. government stop its hypocrisy, massively funding its nuclear energy sector while coercing other nations to abandon theirs? on the loose. Hello everyone and welcome to We the People. I'm your host Daniel Arya and in this episode we'll speak about the recent tornadoes in America, what the government is doing to fix its deteriorating infrastructure in light of the passing of the infrastructure bill. Will that bill bring hope to poor communities who is responsible for climate change and will the U.S. succeed in reversing these natural disasters and their devastating impacts. In this episode, we're pleased to have our two guests on our show, James Carey, who is a commentator and activist, and Don DeBar, who's also an activist, commentator, and radio host. Please stay tuned. Multiple tornadoes are rare and unusual in December, but that's exactly what happened in many states in America. The National Weather Service said at least 21 tornadoes were confirmed in Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. The worst tornadoes hit the state of Kentucky, leaving 77 dead and more than 1,000 homes completely destroyed. I'm here with Camelia Jones, and Camelia, I, I stopped you. I saw you taking photos. Tell me what you're here to take photos of. Well, I'm taking pictures of the church that I grew up in. My grandfather helped build, and it's just devastating how the city is because I've been here all my life, and I can't believe what I'm seeing, you know. And it's heartbreaking, very heartbreaking. Were you able to stay in your home? What What was last night like for you? Well, I got in my closet, and uh, my house shook really, but it didn't really cause any damage. But this morning, it's uh, swimming pools and uh, the barn that's across the street from me. Parts of it is in my yard, wires are down. It's just devastating. I've never seen anything like this before in my life, in my entire life. Officials say it could be days before the full extent of the damage from the dozens of tornadoes which hit the South and Midwest in early December is actually known. Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, Illinois, Missouri, and Mississippi were all struck by dozens of tornadoes on the eve of December the 11th. It was an unusual outbreak created in part by unreasonably warm temperatures. Um, you know, in the United States and everywhere, really, we've obviously seen these trends of storms getting worse and uh, hitting at stranger times. It is honestly fairly odd for December to be like this. Uh, weather up north has been, where I am, has been in the 60s, which is very odd. Uh, it's been incredibly warm. Um, we don't typically see tornadoes in a lot of these areas, but this strong is very much you know, a new thing too. And we've seen this with hurricanes as well. Um, the 
strength of the storms has been increasing and uh, U.S. infrastructure is not keeping pace to do anything about it or to do even do anything as far as recovery goes. So the severity of the storms has gotten worse and the response has gotten worse. But you can see that these things are happening in places that have no infrastructure prepared for them, like uh, Houston with the hurricanes a couple of years ago. Um, there was no infrastructure laid out prepared for any type of storm like this. So as these storms get worse and as our infrastructure gets older, um, you're just going to see, you know, continually more destruction, I think. And that that is going to be mostly because of climate change that we played a big role in causing. Among the victims were eight workers at a Kentucky candle factory and six at an Illinois Amazon warehouse. These workers died because their workplace was in the storm's path and they were not allowed by their bosses to leave, even though warnings of the storm was given beforehand. Managers at the Kentucky factory had threatened to fire the workers if they left, and Amazon workers said they were told not to leave in advance of the storm. Disaster turns deadly across the bi-state. At least seven people in our area are dead from last night's storms. Six of them inside an Amazon warehouse hit by a tornado. You're taking a live look now at the warehouse where the roof collapsed and walls came down. We just learned in a news conference within the hour that six people died on the job at that Amazon facility. 45 others survived and have been reunited with their families with one person airlifted for treatment. And today the rescue effort turned to a recovery effort. Joe Biden has asked the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency to investigate what role the climate crisis might have played in the deadly tornadoes. Experts have said that tornadoes with such intensity are rare later in the year during colder seasonal weather, and that these storms, which included one tornado tearing a path of more than 225 miles across Kentucky, appear to be an anomaly. So is there a will in the United States to try and reverse climate change? I don't think so, because the U.S. is so reliant on uh, the extraction of fossil fuels that the economy relies on it. It's subsidized. It's, uh, you know, it's listened to over alternative technologies for energy and fuel. Um, there's too much invested in the United States system in the fossil fuel industry for me to believe that we are going to be any type of leader on eliminating that. And honestly, our consumption is, you know, even when we make electric vehicles, they have to be trucks or Hummers or whatever. And our consumption just isn't matching up to the types of behaviors we would have to show the world to be the leader on climate change. Uh, we still want all of our big things. We still want all of our entertainment. We still want our, you know, our central air running all summer. Um, the United States, as it is right now, consumes too much, and I don't think that there's enough alternative energy sources or willingness to go without even the slightest convenience here in the U.S., uh, and I don't think there's any will by the government to push for that, as you've seen with the coronavirus, just simple things like telling people not to go to work. Scientists believe that both now and historically, the United States has been the main reason of climate crisis that we're facing today. This is not to remove the responsibility of other nations of the world, but it is ironic that the U.S. government believes to be the leader of fighting climate change while it is the key culprit of this environmental crisis. Now, can the biggest perpetrator also be the leader of the fight against it? Yeah, it's an interesting contradiction that, that, that we're looking at here. Uh, you know, the country that is the biggest um, offender 
if uh, we consider the release of carbons into the atmosphere as an offense. And, you know, if it's having a negative impact on the uh, climate and on the health and uh, well-being of the planet and people and other living things on it, then it is, of course, uh, that. Um, the United States, uh, the world's first car culture, you know, with the beginning uh, – with the industrial age here, you know, population of approaching 100 million, now 350 million people or something, um, burning probably per capita as much or more fossil fuels as anyone else on the planet. Um, that uh, has changed some. The U.S. is the biggest culprit. It has been proposing and trying to implement solutions, uh, but it continues to burn at a rapid rate. And it wants to use the uh, international concern about this issue as a weapon against the uh, rising uh, competitors, as it sees them, in China particularly, uh, and in India and other places where uh, people are now suddenly able to afford to heat their homes and have transportation of their own and such. And so they're starting to burn fossil fuels. And the Americans are saying, well, you know, you're overloading the system. And they want them to stop. It, it's there's a lot of absurdities and contradictions involved in this, for sure. Now, U.S. President Joe Biden finally signed the 1.2 trillion dollar Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act just last month. But some experts believe the bill falls short of solving the equity issues of the country. For instance, the bill primarily adds funds to existing federal programs and lacks naming the people and places in need and states are not obligated to use funds in disinvested communities. One may ask who stands to benefit the most from this bill. Now, Wall Street and whoever else makes policy here in the United States, but particularly in this instance, Wall Street's been trying to monetize nature, you know, as Marx said, to commodify it, but actually monetize natural processes like photosynthesis, transpiration, things that um, you know, are, would be alternatives and or are outside of even the, this particular discussion. Everything that moves, they want to figure out a way to make money on it. Well, moving trillions of dollars out of the taxpayer's pocket to the coffers of the federal government, who then writes checks to private people, is the perfect place for this kind of uh, feeding festival to take place. And so... When we look at the uh, you know, Build Back Better bill, uh, for the infrastructure bill, the investment legislation, the whole, you know, the whole piece of, uh, of of legislation and the two compa the companion bill, um, you have to consider that if the price tag say is hundred billion dollars to do this, that maybe I don't know, fifty bucks, <laughs> a million, ten million, fifty million is going to be applied to the problem. And the rest is going to be profiteered and taken off to Switzerland or Curaçao or whatever to some private bank account. Another issue the implementation of the bill faces is scarcity and shortage of skilled workers. Labor experts and economists say there's simply not enough money to educate and develop the hardy stream of skilled workers needed for all those critical roles that would be established once the bill is implemented. Also, during the pandemic, there was a massive loss of workforce, and the construction industry is still facing a shortage of 430,000 workers. Will the hopes of the underprivileged communities be met in this bill? Um, if you look, for example, at the 
uh, implications in practical terms uh, on the ground uh, for uh, black folks and also for the poor generally of having America's first black president. Actually, black people in the United States suffered the largest loss of net worth during his two terms as president as they had since the Civil War. And let that sink in. And people had a great deal of hope then, hope and change. This is why West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin declared that he would not support Biden's social and climate spending bill. With an evenly split Senate, the Democrats need all members to vote for the legislation. However, in the infrastructure bill on climate change, $62 billion was given to the U.S. Department of Energy to deliver a more equitable clean energy future. We asked our guests about the status of nuclear energy in the U.S. I'm not sure that the U.S. is going to do much for nuclear energy here. We have some, you know, I have several plants in my home state, um, but we don't rely on it heavily. We're obviously nowhere near like a France as far as the use of nuclear power. I, 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 our reactors are probably not even as advanced as Iran's, honestly, because um, research has been stifled here since Three Mile Island and Chernobyl to make, and again, by the fossil fuel industries, which is so intertwined with our economy. Now this funding will go through the Civilian Nuclear Credit Program and allocate $6 billion to prevent premature retirement of existing zero-carbon nuclear plants. Bill also allocates $2.5 billion for advanced nuclear research and development. U.S. spends billions of dollars to develop clean energy through nuclear development, while at the same time putting pressure and sanctions on countries like Iran, which want to do the same. So what? is the reason for this blatant hypocrisy. First, in, ge in general terms, uh, um, there are uh, considerations of, of commerce. Uh, in other words, Westinghouse doesn't want to compete with an Iranian company for contracts around the world. Um, and uh, then, of course, there are national security considerations. Uh, the United States does not want Iran to be, well, they don't. They would like it if, if you had no gas or oil or uh, water or anything else either. They're doing their best to ensure that. They would like to immiserate uh, the Iranian people to make the government fall so they can regain control of the uh, resources, the assets uh, in that country, and not face it as possible competition. Now, the reason climate change started in the first place was the greed of the so-called developed world. The way these industrial nations devoured the world's resources and tried to feed the never-ending well of greed with more consumption and motivating, encouraging and persuading people to spend and use more and more is the reason the world is facing so much destruction and natural disasters. One might suspect that the rhetoric of fighting climate change would be used as another means for amassing more wealth. This is the, the paradigm here. Um, essentially, the, the, the powerful, the elite, the rich, 
take control, have control of the government. They use the government, which has a power of taxing and of regulating things, to favor uh, the rich. And so these different projects that are announced with fanfare, you know, over the media that these same people own, um, out of the mouths of the politicians that these same people own, you know, promising promising that one thing or another is going to, uh, you know, benefit us. And and of course, it never does. It, it, what it does do is enrich them. And you know, when you have the biggest chunk of money ever moved around um, under discussion, and a history that says basically these people are the ones who end up getting the money and we don't get anything, you have to assume that that's at least a possibility, and that's the one I predict. In order to try to reverse climate change, capitalism has to stop. And people, especially those who live in industrial nations and others who replicate their lifestyle, must change it. Would people so used to consumerism be willing to change their lifestyle in order to save the world? Uh, with the United States, with capitalism, how it is here, there's just no push to actually break ourselves from the types of resources we use and the types of pollution and waste that we you know, make. There's no way to limit that uh, because we have no will to do so and there's no one who's going to make the large companies do so. And I don't see the, the state stepping in on that because the state will always try to do what's best for those large firms and the big cartels of business. So I just don't see anyone making a push to actually change our consumption habits, to change how we, you know, use things or reuse things. And I, I imagine we'll continue to be the most wasteful country uh, as far as talks about climate or pollution go. Now, it doesn't seem that America has decided to make any meaningful change. People, multinational companies and governments seem to be racing for more consumption and most of their solutions rely on becoming more resilient like constructing storm breakers or building stronger structures instead of changing the way they operate so as to solve the root of the problem. We're now going to swing over to Abbas Montarim and he will elaborate on how the U.S. military and corporations are the biggest polluters of our worldwide environment. Peace and welcome back to Power to the People. Today on the show, we're going to talk about climate change. Oftentimes, climate change, it gets reduced by Western media as individuals using, you know, too many straws or even to the individual who chooses to whether or not they want to recycle. And don't get me wrong, recycling is important, but in reality, climate change, it can't be just blamed solely on the individual choice, but rather we got to focus on the systems and the forces that are in power. And the biggest polluter in the world, that is having the biggest effect on the climate of the earth, it's the United States regime. The US military and European and American corporations, they are looting countries throughout the world and they are leaving a path of destruction, not only to people, but also to the earth itself. Capitalism, colonialism, imperialism, they're not only threats to humanity, but it's a threat to the planet as well as its climate. So let's get straight to the facts. 
In a 2019 report by Durham and Lancaster University, they found that the US military is one of the largest climate polluters in history, and it emits more liquid fuels and emits more CO2e than most countries. The US military itself is a bigger polluter than more than 100 countries combined. And the United States empire has dropped hundreds of millions of bombs, brutally murdering people and causing long lasting damage to the environment. The US itself wants to put on its police hat and act like the world's police of nuclear weapons, as if it isn't the only country to ever have dropped a nuclear weapon. And the effects on the people of Japan and the environment uh, has been catastrophic. Not only over 129,000 people was killed, but water, soil, and entire ecosystems were destroyed, leaving devastating impacts on generations of Japanese people. In Laos, America dropped over 2 million tons 2 million tons of cluster bombs in a CIA war that was attempting to stop communism. And over a tenth of the population uh, was killed by the United States. And over a third of Laos is still contaminated with bombs that never detonated. And in Iraq, the illegal US war led to burning of oil fields, which led to oil, soot, sulfur, and acid rain falling, which led to vegetation and animals being poisoned, water contamination, and people choking. It also led to almost half a billion tons of carbon dioxide to be let out into the air. This combined with American bombings is responsible for mass environmental damages in Iraq. And recently, the US Navy, they tested a bomb in the Atlantic Ocean that created a 3.9 magnitude earthquake. Imperialism is not only destroying different species in the ocean with weapons of mass destruction, but it's also literally creating tremors in the earth. And we don't fully know the impact that this is having. You know, I, I know one thing, <laughs> man-made earthquakes ain't good, and these imperialists cannot uh, be doing what they're doing to this environment. It, it is destroying, it is destroying people's lives, it is destroying the world, and it's leaving long-lasting damage to the environment, which causes climate change. I could go on and on and on about the terror that the U.S. military causes to the people and to the planet, as the U.S. is always in a perpetual state of war. But if we look at the climate change movement, which has largely been dominated by liberals, they rarely discuss the role that U.S. imperialism has had on the planet. As we know, liberals themselves, they ain't nothing but some warmongers. And one of these so-called liberal solutions to climate change has been moving towards uh, electric cars. <laughs> Gavin Newsom, who was the governor of California, he signed an executive order that by 2035, all new cars and passenger trucks got to be zero emission vehicles. While this might sound like a good thing, it's clearly a band-aid solution. Now, oftentimes, we're told that this is, is good for the planet, but in reality, the raw materials that is being produced for Teslas and electrical vehicles, the raw materials that are being stolen from Africa. Cobalt is one of the materials they use, and cobalt, it comes from the Congo. Glencore, a European multinational corporation, is one of the many corporations that are responsible for the looting of resources from the continent. Through this process, they damage the environment through blasting and electricity consumption that cobalt mining requires. Not only that, but the carbon dioxide and nitrogen dioxide are highest from cobalt mining. Cobalt mining also uses child slave labor, and under capitalist imperialism, the exploitation of labor and the damage to the climate go hand in hand. And Glencore itself has not only caused damage in the Congo, but has also been accused of causing acid raid in Zambia. And this is exactly what capitalism, colonialism, and imperialism does. It must be understood that climate change is a result of capitalism, colonialism, and imperialism. 
It is a result of these Western empires which seek to dominate the world. And if we are truly going to stop climate change and truly want to save the planet, we must fight against capitalism. We must fight against imperialism. And we must fight against colonialism. And we must free the land from European domination and control. The self-determination of oppressed people is vital for the survival of the planet. This is power to the people. And that was our show, everyone. Thank you for watching. I'm your host, Daniel Aryan. Join us again next week on another episode of We the People. Bye-bye for now.